This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey guys, here's a message from one of our partners, SpiderVPN. As we all know, browsing the internet can be full of hidden dangers and snoopers, but you can easily protect yourself and at the same time get access to all your favourite websites and streams by using SpiderVPN. They have some amazing offers right now and I've come highly recommended. Check them out at spidervpn.org and uh, get yourself some great offers now. And don't forget to mention Dazzling Dave or Always Wolves to get yourself a real nice discount. That's spidervpn.org. Hi everyone and welcome uh, to this uh, week's Extra Time. Uh, wherever you're watching or listening in the world, whether you're watching it live, whether you're watching it on catch-up, or whether you are listening to it back on the uh, Always Wolves podcast, it's great to have you join us. Um, a bit of a different time to uh, to normal. Obviously, we normally try and get it uh, if the evening after the game, but um, the last two matches have been a bit difficult to do that. Obviously, Monday... Uh, we, we played and beat Everton, that was on the Tuesday night. And yesterday, we were away at Sellers Park in um, down in London against Crystal Palace. And um, it was proper jump because it's the uh, other side of uh, London. And it's about a three and a half, four hour drive with a stop there and back. So we didn't get back till very late last night. Um, but I am delighted to be joined uh, by some Wolves fans today. Uh, we're going to be first up with Jack, who was there yesterday. We're going to have Carl uh, on, and then we're going to have Paul, and who's going to come on last today for a change. Uh, and we might have, hopefully, an international fan joining us as well. I've got a little bit of um, a little bit of a sneezy. Um, so if I sneeze at any point, I apologise for that. When I had a shower, I think the soap's gone up my nose. <laughs> So obviously, um, from the from the perspective of the game, um, obviously it was a disappointing result and a disappointing performance. It's going to be really interesting uh, to see whatever who people pick as uh, man of the match today, and to see 
what the overall performance rating and thoughts on the game. Um, I think we're just having the international fan uh, being brought on. Um, so um, I think we'll probably uh, go with Jack, Carl, Brian and Paul in that order. So let's welcome on uh, Jack to the uh, to the show. Jack, thanks for coming on again, mate. Hey guys, you're right. You're okay. Yes, I know it's like uh, quarter past 11 on a Sunday morning as we're uh, recording this, but you will agree it, was, it couldn't have been done last night, could it? No, I mean, I left the house five to seven yesterday morning, got past back at 10 past nine. So it's what's that, 14 hour day? It's yeah. a long day. So talk me through day. your day. Uh, where do you travel from? Uh, well, I live in Wensbury. So yeah. we, we catch the official travel coach and that left half past eight yesterday morning. Oh, you went down with the Wolves yeah, from Molyneux? Wolves Travel Club, yeah. And then we obviously come back on the coach as well. So it's four four hours, four and a little bit hours, isn't it? From Wolverhampton to, to Croydon effectively, isn't it? So yeah. it's eight Did hours. Did you have a stop club. off on the way down? Uh, no, not this time. Sometimes we do if we kind of go somewhere like Newcastle or Norwich, and it's a long, uh, even longer journey. But but Croydon, it was it was a straight run. It was just over four hours. Straight run. I take it you had yeah. some sandwiches with you then. A couple of sandwiches, yeah, and a bag of crisps and a bottle of water. So yeah. Well, and refreshed. what was the mood on the way back, Jack? Very quiet, as you'd imagine. Very quiet. I think you know it, it tends to be like that when we when we win. Everyone's obviously quite happy, and the journey seems to be a lot quicker coming back when you win but when you lose it it feels like a, a long four hours coming back so yeah. yeah it was a it was a long gold one um i mean um you know wolves you know wolves support and wolves fan base um you know wherever they go they're there filling out yeah. the away end no exception yesterday um uh, great support lots of commitment from um from the fans and um, I, don't, I think it's fair to say they're obviously the there wasn't no commitment from the from the players, but what did you actually make of that performance? I mean, I, was, I think it was disappointing, wasn't it? I think we've we've got to kind of get that out of the way first of all. It just wasn't good enough. That's that's kind of the bottom line, really. They just weren't good enough. I mean, I think sometimes we look at it from a Wolves' point of view. I think if you flip it round, Crystal Palace will be really pleased with how they played. That they were they were good. Their tactics were good and they did what their manager probably wanted them to do and, and what he sent them out to do. Whereas I don't think we kind of had a clear plan, a clear way that we were going to hurt them. We didn't particularly have any kind of threat in behind at all. And whether that goes down to team selection, formation, tactics, you could probably point at all three, couldn't you, at times. But it was just very, very flat and it was very sort of... Considering how well we'd played on Monday night, you thought, let's take some momentum from that. And we just didn't. It was really flat and really disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I said before the game, um, I mean, in my match preview, obviously, I mean, Katie's just saying it will seem to leave the changes until it's too late. One lesson that still hasn't been learned. And that's kind of the point that um, I think Amy was making on thinking of sort of what you uh, alluded to a little bit today. But um, I said before the uh, match on my preview, uh, and I said it on my reaction straight after the game, is I felt that the game was going to be won in midfield yesterday because both teams have offensive players that can cause a lot of problems. And Palace won the midfield. It was We've sort of nullified each other in the first half, very scrappy, and they took control in the second half. And... Um, 
personally, I think it was a game for bringing Den Donker in and getting an extra person in midfield, personally. I mean, I don't know what you think. And... No, I would agree. I think that if you look at the midfields, I mean, they had Kiate, MacArthur and Gallagher as, as their three. Now, yeah. individually, none of them are better than Neves or Martinho. But as no. a unit, as a three, they work much better and much more effectively because they had the extra player. And it meant that we were constantly sort of on the back foot. They were playing through us quite easily. And it meant that because of how far forward Samedo and Eight Nori go, it was 3v3 a lot at the back. They had Zahar, Edward and Benteke up against our back three. Yeah. And it, because they were passing straight through the middle rather than having to go out wide and then come in, it was very difficult for us to get out and kind of get any kind of foothold. I agree about Dendonka. I know people don't always see the value he brings to the team, but in a game like yesterday, if we could have matched them 3v3 in the middle, it might have just given us a bit more possession, a bit more of a foothold, and we could have played a bit further up the pitch, which would have helped as well. Well, yeah, well, this is this is the uh, this is the interest. I, 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 you know, I, I think we all know that, you know, Bruno Large is changing the way we play. We saw... We've seen many examples of us being so offensive and on the front foot. I mean, against Everton, you know, we were re- we looked like we were getting back to that. Okay, we sort of faded a little bit in the second half, but the energy and the closing down and the way we won the ball back, but none of that was there yesterday. I mean, Bruno Large said it himself after the game that you know they won all the duels in attack, in midfield, and in defence, and that is not really an acceptable thing from... That's a basic. Uh, yeah. You have to win your fair share of the duels. If you lose all the duels, you're going to lose the game. Yeah, I mean, it, it's nice that he's come out and acknowledged it, but again, that shouldn't be happening, should it? And, and I just thought, second half especially. I mean, first half, I don't think there was much in the game at all. It was very even. Oh, it was? With quiet and the crowd down a little bit, to be fair. There was that crowd is so quiet. I was yeah. talking on the crowd. I, I mean... We went to Leeds and their crowd really were unbelievable. And the Palace fans in the first half, and this is not being disrespectful to Palace, apart from their wannabe ultras at the other end, you know, the bit beyond the goal, yeah. <laughs> they want to create that European... They were really, really quiet. Where we were, on that, that, on that right-hand side, I hardly had a peep out of them in the first half. No, you couldn't. No, but again, I think when you're the home team, you can't. As the crowd, you kind of want something to get behind, and they didn't really have a lot because it was such a sort of close, tight game, wasn't it? Yeah. And I think second half, like we said, we actually at halftime, me and my mates were saying we've actually got a nice platform here at nil nil to go yeah. on and take control, and if someone can step up and produce something, I mean, it was always going to be the first goal was the winner because yeah. it was such a tight game. If we'd have scored and gone one nil up, I think we'd have won. Even though we didn't play well, I think we, if we'd have gone one nil up, I think we'd have won. And it was the same with them. They they got the goal in the end. And that was probably the difference because we just didn't then have a counter-punch at all to get back into it at well, one nil. You talk about the counter-punch, uh, Jack. And I was a bit disappointed with the way the substitutions were made. Um, Trinkow, something was on a, a stat, says that he does really well when we've got... M- majority of the possession in the first half um you know something like 64 percent possession to palace in the sec overall it was 60 percent. so i i was screaming really i know some people go for it was a game set up for triore um i thought but when he brought him on he brought him on as that blooming right 
defensive win in, in place of Semedo. And because Palace were on the front foot, he never really got into the danger areas. You wanted him up top in the front three. I couldn't understand. I get him bringing Pedenza on. He'd done well against, you know, um, you know, Villa changed the game and stuff like that. But then you had, I just was really frustrated that he played. Nuno tried that. How many times did he play um, Triori in that position? And it never works. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the thing was, ultimately, in the second half, we just didn't have enough possession. And that's kind of your fundamental basic. You've got to have the ball. You, can bring, you can't bring on Pedence and Traore if you don't have the ball because they're players that need possession exactly. to run at players and commit defenders. We needed to bring on someone to get control of the ball. Whether that was Dendonka, I'm not sure. But we needed someone to come on and just get a foothold in the game because we didn't have it. Um, actually, to be fair to Pedence, he came on and within two or three minutes, he'd beaten a couple of players and we'd obviously, we'd earned that potential penalty at the, other, at the end that could have well, been. But then after well, that, that, he was very, very quiet. He was and it was frustrating. Um, obviously, Martinho, it was a, the free kick was a good save. We never really, I th- looking at the stats um, of the game, as I talk about Pedence, Palace had like 13 shots to our four, I think it was. Yeah. And they had something like six shots on target to our two. One of them was um, the header in the first half straight at the keeper from um, Raul. And then I think the other one would, must have been the uh, the Moutinho free kick, which was a good free yeah. kick and a good save uh, from the from the um, from the uh, the keeper. I mean, but you you touched on, and we're going to talk, you know, on VAR. We do seem again. It seems like we always seem to come on on the. It seems like a trend. We always seem to come out on the worst side of VAR decisions. Now, he was on side. Um, I think it's fair to say he's a half of the goal and it was a good finish. But the penalty, what was your view on that? Was it the right decision? It's difficult to tell from where we were in the ground and I've not kind of watched it back completely. I've seen a a still picture, which is never always ideal, but it looks like at best you could say it was on the line. I mean... For me, the, the trouble with VAR, it's, it's got to be a clear and obvious error. That's their mandate, isn't it? We're yeah. not going to get involved in everything. We only want to correct clear and obvious errors. Now, the referee blew his whistle for a foul and then stood there for about five seconds before he pointed to the spot. So he wasn't sure what it was. He didn't yeah. know whether it was a free kick or a penalty. And I think he guessed. So I yeah. think that's that's kind of one where if he's going to guess, he should probably give a free kick. And then if VAR can prove that it's inside the box, he can then upgrade it to a penalty, if you like. So they probably got the process wrong because yeah, he, shouldn't, he, shouldn't, he shouldn't be given a penalty and then it being changed to a free kick. If anything, it should be the other way around. He should be saying, I'm not sure, I'm going to be safe and give the free kick. And then if it is inside the box, clearly, I can then change my decision and give the penalty. That would be well, what I think he should do. And what what were your gut feeling? Do you think it was a pen or not from your point of view? Do, they think, do you think they got it right? I, th- I think they probably did, but again... I think there's a wider point with VAR, isn't there, in terms of the emotional sort of the turn of the decision. Because if you look at that the incident again, Rell's got the ball tucked under his arm. He's ready to take the penalty or yeah. put the ball down. And you put, you put, you know, 95 times out of 100, he's going to score that penalty, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, and, it, and it's a big moment because, like we said, we've not played well, but you've got a chance then to go back to 1-1 possibly. And, then and that could change the whole complexion of the game yeah. then. Yeah, and you can go on, and you know that deflates. We get thingy. We start to take control. You go on. You could potentially win the game. So it was a key decision. Yeah, it is. Um, um, whether, they, whether they got it right, 
or not, VAR takes away that that instant decision, doesn't it? If the referee gives the penalty, it's a penalty, and then you can get on with the game. You can take it all, and it's like the gut punch of it having it ripped away, isn't it? That that's not great, and and we've been on the end of it a lot in the well. In the look at the Everton last hard. week as well. We had ex- almost exactly the same on the other side of the box. Just, um, at, I mean, I know we won the game in the end, but it was just on. The, it was virtually the same sort of. Just outside the box, the same, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and again, like we say, it's that thing. You think, oh, we've got a penalty, we can get back into the game, and then suddenly it's taken away. And you can see the the reaction of the players; it's the same. They feel that that gut punch of, oh, you know, it was the same with the goal because they score. You think, oh no, the flag goes up, great, we got away with it. Let's use it as a warning, and and then all of a sudden, two or three minutes later, they've checked it; it's a goal. You're one nil down. And you could see the players' heads go, and it's almost it's worse than if the, the flag hadn't gone up, because yeah, just, oh, we've got we've got yeah. away with it, but then we haven't. It, it, it's um, and it was the right decision for the the, the offside. He, he was onside, but it's the process that that I think doesn't help. Do you think we should have done better with that passage of play though? I, I mean, Samedo just hacked the ball straight to you know didn't really get any length on the clearance. It went straight. I think it might have been Gallagher. I don't know who picked it up. And then he threads the uh, the ball straight through. I mean, um, is there any blame on the defence there for Wolves not dealing with it? I think probably, yeah. I think, we've, you know, I mean, I've not watched it back too much. It's too painful, isn't it? But, I mean, we, we do seem to have a habit. I mean, we've defended pretty well all season. We've got one of the better records and... But we do seem to have a habit of, of giving away chances and, and where there's an opportunity to clear the ball or to, to make the right the right decision, we, we don't seem to do it. I mean, I think if you look at the... We've got 12 goals we've conceded. I think three have been penalties. I think yeah. three have been, been huge deflections. And then two or three of them have been where we should have cleared the ball or we should have put a, a tackle in. And it's just Or like know. the Man United goal, it should have been a free kick. Yeah, probably. Yeah, there's that one as well, isn't there? But it, it's kind of... We haven't really been absolutely undone by a, a brilliant piece of play hardly ever have we this season in defence no one's kind of picked the ball up and beat four players and put it in the top corner or there's no one kind of passed through us with some really nice one-touch football it's been deflections mistakes chances to clear not taken and then it goes in the back of the net I mean the first goal was quite similar like you say two or three chances to get it clear we don't and then from there it ends up in the back of the net Absolutely. I want to thank OK for becoming a channel member. Much appreciated. If you want to get become a member of the channel, the details are below. And also for the donation, um, that helps me keep behind the software to do these streams. So thank you so much. Uh, Joe, Joe says, uh, Jack, if the foul contingent into the box, it should be a pen. Hmm. I, I think initially it's probably outside the box, but it does carry on into the box. I mean, I'm not sure what the... Cause that used to be the rule. I don't know if that's still... The rule. I mean, like we said, it's it's gone now, isn't it? We can't kind of spend too much time dwelling on it, but it is. It's frustrating because the referee's given it. Like I said, I don't think he was sure, but he's given it. And we've been playing football in this country for 150 years, even more. And for 147 of those, if the referee gives a penalty, it's, it's a, a penalty. penalty. Yeah. And it's only in the last three years we've decided. Well, we don't, we're not sure about that. We want to check it, and we want to. I mean, I, I don't think VAR has added anything to the Premier League. I think it's taken away that spontaneity of, of goal celebrations and and the emotion. I mean, I don't know about you, but when we score a goal, I'm, I, I don't want to celebrate something. I think, well, they might check it, or they might pull it back, or they might, you know, there might be something here that. That's I, t- I tell you what, uh, Jack, you, you got to. I mean, I think the goal line technology has been brilliant. Um, um, 
even though they cocked that up a couple of years ago with Villa. But I think the goal line technology, I think the offside yesterday, I think you could probably just, you know, it's fair enough because it was a legitimate goal. And you can understand that why they're bringing it up because there's millions of pounds riding on these decisions being wrong. But as Wolves fans, we've, you know, it, you are right. When you when a goal goes in, you're kind of celebrating and then you just see the VAR check and you just go, there's a collective sigh yeah. that goes around. And at Molyneux, it's one of the favourite songs, isn't it? We beep, beep, VAR. It gets going yeah. when it comes up. And, it's, and I think it's because we, we do seem to not... I mean, there's a stat a couple of... A year ago, or year, the, the, the amount of decisions that we've had go against us on VAR and Wolves are virtually top of the league for it, the number of decisions. And it seems to just be happening to us. As a few people said, this is Man United, Chelsea, you know, Arsenal. That penalty would have probably still been given. I mean, would it? It seems like it would. And you can understand why people think that. But you are right. You celebrate a goal. And then as soon as you're celebrating, you're like then going you're waiting for the VAR check and it does take something away from that. And it's worse being in the stadium than if you're actually watching it at home on telly. Yeah, we had that a couple of years ago. We went to Anfield, didn't we? And we lost 1-0 and Neto had a goal disallowed. We the were in goal the... disallowed and the guy was yeah. running back away yeah. from goal and it was his heel. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and we were, we were obviously... Because Anfield's one of the grounds that hasn't got any screens or anything. So you're even more in the dark when, when you go there. We obviously came out of the game kind of not knowing what had gone on. Obviously, people had, had WhatsApped us pictures and things. But then we went into the pub outside Liverpool train station and there was a Liverpool fan who'd sat in the pub and watched it and he was kind of going to us, oh, yeah, da, da, da. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. How can you, who sat at home watching it, know more than what we've who've paid money to be in the ground. And, and been in the ground? That, that, that can't be right. That just, that just can't be right that people in the stadium know even less about what's going on. Than no, because you, this is the big thing, isn't it? You know, you, 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 it does amaze you. When you it, I think Man United don't have any... I mean, uh, Old Trafford no. doesn't have any things as they're well. The, they're the only two, aren't they? Anfield and Old Trafford. Man United are the two, two iconic grounds in the, in the league. The two and that the, don't have, have the screens. I know. It's, it's crazy, really, to think that. And, you know, everyone else has, but these two teams don't have any screens. It's yeah. like, and if you're a, if you're a home fan... Um, Dealing with that every week, and VAR decision. I mean, we have to go there once uh, a season, perhaps twice if we draw them in the, in a cup competition, and you know. But like, it, it is crazy, really. Anyway, Jack, to finish off with, this is going to be an interesting one for you. Yeah, your performance rating and your Wolves man of the match from yesterday. Uh, right, um, I think performance rating. I don't think you can go above a five. Yeah, I thought. I thought first half we were we were okay to poor, and then second half we were poor to to, to dreadful really. So I'll probably go five. Man of yeah. the match. I don't think Kilman did a lot wrong. Again, you know he's probably player of the season if you did a straw poll at the minute. Hundred percent. So far, um, never never stopped trying to do. He always showed for the ball. weren't quite his day in terms of some of his passing didn't quite work, but he never hid. I mean, Raul was very isolated up front but never stop running. But I'd probably go Kilman if I was picking a man of the match. I'll tell you what, I, I kind of edged to Kilman. It'd be interesting to see where everyone else is. Basically, before, to, basically, because towards the end of the game, it was Kilman that was leading the attack. 
driving through the middle. You, yeah. you saw him do. He, he does that, and he was trying. He was trying. He was sort of leading the Wolves to try and get them going from defence. Then Saïs had a go just after that as well. Yeah, I mean that. That's one of the defenders that, that were actually leading the leading the attack. I think that's one of the things that Bruno has brought in. He, I mean, Nuno never let the centre half go past the halfway line, did he? Generally, in open play. Whereas I think they have got license now under Bruno to push forward and bring the ball beyond the midfield, if you like, in, into that into that middle third and that potentially that final third. So I do like that, and I think Kilman and and Sace are good at that. So it is something that I like to see more, especially because we said like. With being overrun in midfield, if you can get one of your defenders to step in and be that third body in the middle, then it will help, especially when you haven't got the ball. Hundred percent, mate. Bang on. As as always, some fantastic points uh, today uh, from you. Big commitment going yesterday as well. Always do. <laughs> and next up, we've got Inform West Ham at Molyneux. That's going to be an interesting one, uh, isn't it? After the international break, and, it will uh, be. I mean, I think it's one of them. They're very good at counter-attacking. They're very happy to let you have the ball and Rice and Suchek sort of sit in front of the back back four, don't they, and screen everything really well and then they just pick you off and, and attack. I mean, I watched them against Villa the other week and, and I know people said Villa were, were really poor, but West Ham were fantastic in that game in terms of executing their game plan. And it might, like we've said, it might be one of those where you, you play Dendonka as an extra body in midfield. You take one of the forwards out and play 3-5-2 if you like. And just try and almost match them and, and play counter versus counter, and just see if if we can maybe nick a goal. I mean, again, first goal is always important. But if we oh, can go one I mean, up against statistically, them, when we score first, I mean, yeah. since we're in the Premier League, I think ninety percent of the time we go on to win the game. Um, yeah. But likewise, the other way around. Although we did have the best comeback record last year from losing positions. Um, again, you're more likely to tell you it is key. I mean, I think the second goal killed us yesterday at 1 0. You know, I still felt that we could get something out of the game. And then the second goal with the deflection from Gallagher, it goes in. I thought, the, not unlike the Villa match, where I still thought if we get one, we could get back. I just felt that was it then. It was, yeah, we're never going to get back into it. Yeah, and it's one of them, isn't it? it, it because, was like you say, I mean, at 1 0 down, you, when you're not playing well, you need something to go your way whether that would have been the penalty decision on another day, if that goes our way, possibly. That's the kind of spark you need sometimes. Or you need oh, something. Yeah, a bit of luck you need and it changes the game. Yeah, and we just didn't get it yesterday, did we? I mean, I thought the referee was was, was poor. And I'm yeah. not just saying that because we lost. I'm not, I'm not being bitter or anything like that. I didn't think he had control of the game. I mean, he tried to, to stamp his authority, didn't he, by booking Matinho in the first five minutes. I'll tell you what, talking I mean, about that booking... That Matinho yeah. got booked um, a few weeks ago in another game, and I think that also affects us because Matinho is like a little terrier; he'll snap away. And when he's on a booking, he ain't the same, is he? No, it was um, in Leeds, wasn't it? He got booked really early away at Leeds, and, and yeah, that just his effectiveness is, is affected, isn't it? Because you can't make those sort of. And sometimes when players are running through, you do take a yellow card, don't you? A bit of a tactical fail, if you like. When you're on a booking, you can't really do it. No, so take a yellow card. Yeah, it's seventy fifth minute or something like that. You know, yeah. you know when you've but, but like after five minutes, and I think again that did affect our control on the midfield. And it's a good point you raised there. We'll talk more about that with our upcoming guests. Thank you so much, Jack. Have no a problem. great Sunday. And you, mate. Look after yourself. Cheers, mate. Yeah. As always, some fantastic points there from Jack. Uh, next up, we're going to have Carl. Then we're going to have Brian. 
who is over in Thailand. And uh, it'd be great to have him back on the channel before we get to Paul. Carl, welcome, young man. Good morning. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. Where are you today? You look like you're in a car. I'm in a car, yes. Just on, just done a bit of a shopping and then just want to talk to you. Fantastic. Well, it's good to have you on. I guess you watched it on a stream yesterday, Carl. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, whole 90 minutes of it, yes. And what did you make of it? Uh, yes, exactly what Jack said. It was a poor game and we were... Out for the midfield by Palace. Palace were absolutely an excellent playing team. And they played really well. I think Bruno made a mistake of not playing an extra midfield in the squad. I think he should have changed it for the Everton game. Yeah, I mean, you, you'd, have, you'd have brought an extra midfielder in for this game, would you? Yes, I would. Tighten it up. Because Palace are really good on the mid well their midfield's quite strong and obviously Connor Gallagher is the one you've got to watch out for. So yeah, of course. Like he's a, on one of their danger players and also Zaha. So. They've signed him. I'm not with an option. I'm not really sure on that. You Carl, you normally know these sort of stats. He's on loan he's on loan from Chelsea. Oh is it Chelsea? He was Paris. on loan to Albion last year, was he? Yes. Ah there you go. That's why you, yeah, that's right, yes. That's the Albion right. connection for you. And um, so, uh, were you watching on your computer, were you? on the telly? Yes. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, so... Um, watching on the TV, streamed on that, right? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. So, I mean, um, who, I mean, what sort of player impressed you yesterday? Any players impressed you at all? Or do you think it was just a general... Well, so... Saar played well first half, keeping them out, keeping the clean sheet in the first half. Kilman played well. Matinho was unlucky with that booking because there was no contact to the player when you look at all the angles they showed on the stream. And Well was unlucky. Wang, not so good. Kind of, two of the players did play well, but there was inconsistency going on with the squad. But... I would have changed it from the Everton game, given something like Podancin and from the start. I would have started him. Well, I think that's why I'll come back on to the... hungry. He's on the bench all the while. Troy, it was very unlucky. I had Troy Orion for Trincao on my pre-match um, for this particular game, because I thought... That's what I did. That's what I did the same as well. Yeah, I, I think Trincao... I, I, I must admit, I thought Trincao was... And Paul will probably be able to talk a lot about this when he comes on because he does know his stats and things like that. But Trinko's contribution yesterday was he was a bit anonymous. And I think that's because we didn't have control of the game to give him the ball. Well, because none of them run. No, of course, if you looked at the heat map of Trinko during the game, it was non-existent. And where was he? So he, he, did, he was mostly, say, mid central midfield not going venturing forward he only ventured forward about three or four times during the game and it was really poor yeah you need and you need, I would have, you need I would have done a swap at half, I, would, I, I would have done a swap at half time but yeah no I mean this is the disappointing thing that I felt because I while you needed someone to create something and push them back and this is why I wanted Triori on um, and I know he divides opinion but he does create chaos um, and because he's got that pace, and then he brings him on, 
in place of Semedo. And I'm like, no, you want him up the pitch. You don't want him defending. He loses the ball. He tries his best, but you want him further up the pitch. And, and that was really frustrating. What do you look at it, though, Dave? How many touches did Trioli get on get when he when he came onto the pitch before he got a touch? It took him seven minutes before he got a touch. It was a long time because he wasn't they wasn't giving the ball to him. Well, he ain't it's like he's he non-existent in that sort of area other than trying to get a tackle and block the attackers because you, we weren't getting control. We weren't able to give him the ball. He did have a few forages later on up in the game, but again, that's from a deep position, and I was disappointed. Uh, he's, he's, he's not a he's not a wing back player. He's he's a an attacking midfielder. And the thing is, he attacks at defenders. If we had him from the start yesterday, we would have won that game. But we're not the manager or the, with the fans who watch the game, and we're just baffled by his decision. But the thing is, that result's now gone. We've got a tough we've got a tough game to come. Troy's got to start that game. He must. Well, I, I guess it... I would now. It's all, I guess we'll have to see what happens, how they all come back from the international break. Because, we, again, we've got a lot. I'm not sure on the um, the role situation, where, how many games he's got for Mexico. Because I know Mexico are playing catch-up. And where they've got another three I games. I think Mexico have got, two, I think, I think they've got two games because they played three last time. So, they've got yeah, two. Yeah, I know they've been playing catch-up, haven't they? I mean, Lucy, the yeah. golden girl, says here, I hope Troy is off in January to bring players in that fight for the ball instead of waiting for it to come to him. I, I mean, he's the the eternal enigma. He's got he's got everything in his. You know, we talk about this. We can get him playing. He hasn't signed the contract. He's at still. This saga continues. But uh, Carl, give us your performance rating and your man of the match, mate. Uh, give it a well. Give it two ratings. One from the first half was six and a half. That they played well, keep the clean sheet, and then second half went down to five. So I'll give it average five point five. So you're going 5.5, and who are you going to pick out as your man of the match? I'd give it Kilman. Kilman again, and and that's it's a difficult one to pick, but he didn't do anything wrong, did he? No, he didn't put a foot wrong during the game, and and he was, it was, it was like the gaffer on the pitch, really. He was bossing him around. Cody was not, not normally does it, but Kilman did it for a change, and he was shouting at him, ventured forward, which is good. No, brilliant. Can't do anything do wrong at the moment. And what are you doing with the rest of your day, Carl? Uh, sit down, relax, probably watch Spy on the West Ham game later and see how they play and get some ideas. <laughs> All right, you're going to let Bruno have a few, uh, a few, send him a few WhatsApp messages and some tips, are you? Y- yes, that's it. <laughs> All right, mate. Yes. Brilliant to have you on. Enjoy the rest of your day. And to you, and I'll cheer them on for England as well on the Friday night for you from Alba- the Albania oh, game. Yeah, and I should say in advance, thanks. I know that you're getting a few people together to make a donation to the um, to the yes. foundations to my sleep out, aren't you? Yes. So I'll look. I'll look. Yes, at I am. I'm, that's that's coming in slowly, and I will be one good donation to you, mate. No, I appreciate that. Good on you doing well, it. Well, I want to thank everyone that's donated so far because it's quite. A few, you know, I'm now up to. Uh, personally raised £487. So if anyone here wants to help me get to past that £500 mark today and up towards the 600 um please uh, drop, don't drop a donation on the um, the YouTube donate button. It, I'm putting it in the, the link here. Um, it's there you can donate or it's in the description below. 
and um, I want to try and eventually get up towards that thousand pounds because it's all raising money for a fantastic cause for the foundation and the uh, the Good Shepherd, um, helping the homeless feed our pack and the underprivileged and the disadvantaged this winter. So if you can help. Um, I'm going to be doing Sleeping Rough at Molyneux on Friday night. Uh, I hope the temperature doesn't drop too much, but these guys have to do it every night. So if you can help, much appreciated. Carl, thank you so much for your contribution. Thank you, Dave. And I'll see you on the next one. See you on the next one. Take, Take care. care. Bye. Okay, bye. So that was Carl uh, in his car. And next up, um, we have the legend, the myth, the man. Yes, it's Brian from Thailand. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How are you doing? All right. Not too. Absolutely. I'm just you, you tell everyone where in the world you're actually talking to us from right now. Sorry. Tell everyone uh, where in the world uh, you're talking to us from. I live in a place called Hatchow Samram, which is in the Gulf of Thailand. It's about two hours from Bangkok. Go. Uh, in north and even further down, people may may know a place called Wahin. Uh, but as I say, it's uh, it's about two hours two hours from Bangkok. And what time and is very, it there very, at the moment? Uh, we're seven hours in front, so it's uh, getting on ten to seven at night. Ten to seven in the evening. So this has worked out quite well for you then. Yeah, yeah, and it's very very warm. To, trust me. And just want to just before we go on, I just want to answer Sean's thing. Why they're charging fans thirty five pounds to raise money? I can't understand that part. It, mate, I'm quite happy to pay that it, to take part in helping them. Thirty five pounds in the in the kitty. It's all part. You know, at the end of the day, we're all raising money. So not only am I doing the sleep out, but I'm happy to pay the thirty five pounds to take part uh, to raise the money as well. And obviously, they've got a target. So it's um, all of us that are doing that are happy to pay that money too ourselves as well as take part so thank you for that ryan talk me through the game and where you watched it yesterday well on the international fan reaction i sent you earlier uh, um i started off by saying that disappointing because i felt it was a it was a similar con continuation from the second half to the everton game the everton game we played well the first half but we faded in the second half and that yesterday was was slightly similar and the reason being is that they overrun us in midfield you know you've got a young lad called uh, Conor Gallagher uh, energetic uh, can, can run around whereas Neves and, and Matinho can't the only other thing with, with, with him is he's a little bit of a dirty toe rag trust me Matinho no, uh, Gallagher. Gallagher. Yeah, he left his foot in when he went in for a challenge with Jose Sar. Uh, oh, yes, that's right, yeah. He, he trod on uh, Ruben Nevis' toes. It went unpunished. But when Matinho was yellow-carded for bringing a fella down, he never touched him. Go and have a look at the replays. He never touched him. That's why he sort of like, you know, had a pop. But Graham Scott, the referee, in any case, he was abysmal. He yeah. said, I've never touched him. And you can see it clear as daylight. There was daylight between, like, you know, Matinho's boot and the fella going down. 
he had a poor game, the ref. He let he, he gave them more than he gave us. It was a but, lot more lenient with them. I, I, you know, there was a yeah. couple of challenges in the first half. They got away with it. And Martinez was booked virtually for his first tackle straight on. But, but the thing was, though, though at half-time, you could, you could see that they, they had more of the ball in midfield. And it was crying out for to take Trincao off and bring um, uh, maybe Dendonka off. You know, just to shore up the midfield slightly because... Our two in midfield, Neves and Martino, you wouldn't swap them for anything, but they're not the quickest at times. Yeah. And, and, and they they seem to get more of the ball and, and no, it wasn't um, it wasn't a good performance overall. No, I absolutely mate. And were you watching on the telly? Yeah, I, I picked a stream up and lo and behold, the uh, the actual commentator doing the stream was None other than uh, Jackie Oakley. Oh, Jackie Oakley, Wolves fan, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she, she must have been, you know, spitting feathers at the end when we lost because I, I know she's a hardened Wolves fan. Yeah, she had uh, Glenn Murray, the ex uh, Palace fella, alongside her. But yeah, she she, yeah, she, she did a good commentary, but uh, uh, I bet she weren't pleased at the end. But now the. Poor, poor referee in a couple of times. Uh, they got away. I, I think Twang uh, uh, got clattered by somebody going in head to head, and that was never penalised. So, no, he had a poor game. Um, but, you know, we can't defend, so we're on the end of a beating. No, exactly, mate. Right. But, um, I mean, what's your assessment of the start of the season overall? Oh, it's it's not Mate, too bad because... You've got your mic. I don't know if there's something wrong with your mic. It sounds like there's a, mo a mouse chewing at it. Is it? I don't know. That's better. I don't know. It's sort of like a little cricket. Just like... It's clicking at Is it. it? Not sure. All right. See, so if it goes again in 10 seconds, 20 seconds, I'll go out and come back in. But no, we... Uh, overall performance for the the first number of games that we played, it's not been too bad because slow start, lose three on the spin, then getting back points back on the ball, being unbeaten for five uh, and winning a couple of those, which especially the Villa game, you know, we was, we was dead and buried at one time with the Villa, but you know, to get, to get the points on the ball, yeah, the, the, the first part of the season is not too bad. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you go into this international break, and we're, you know, we're likely to finish um, in the top half. So from that start, like, even though we played well, it's a good, it's a good position and a base to kick off. And we have got games against West Ham, Burnley, and Norwich coming up after the break, and then we're going into that uh, almost group of death uh, against Liverpool, City. Arsenal, Chelsea, I think, United, we got coming up. We've got a very, very tough one. I mean, that, you know, we can still believe we can pick up points, but I do think we're going to, we need to be picking up six or seven points out of the next three games, really. West Ham will be tough because they're the surprise package of the season. Yeah. Uh, uh, is it Norwich? Could pick pick uh, points up against Norwich, but. You come into December and it's uh, it's a difficult run, uh, but it is. 
you know, to, to, to be honest, under a new manager, you're, you're looking at mid-table. I don't think we can go for anything to, above mid-table, Dave. I think, uh, uh, although I'd like to see one or two players coming in in the transfer window, especially a midfielder uh, and, and, and another defender. You know, I know the speculation is in regard to uh, the, the Portuguese lad, Sanchez, and uh, the other fella from um, in France at a Botman. Speculation was was in the tra- previous transfer window, but get get a couple in, and we might be all right. But we 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 just need another midfielder, uh, you know. Plus the fact that we might lose um, maybe Bolly and uh, Says for the uh, African. Well, we will be. We will be. Yeah, yeah. The January transfer window is going to be really interesting. Brian, what's your performance rating and your man of the match for yesterday? Well, I gave it no more than a five. In between a four and a five. Uh, uh, said with tongue-in-cheek on the international fans' reaction, man of the match was the fans who actually went down it because I couldn't really pick anybody out. But uh, if push come to shove, I'd say Kilman. Does he deserve a call up for England? I'm not too sure. I think he's still still in his early stages. But I would have said Kilman. And um, uh, there was some quiet performances, especially Trincao. I don't think he... Samedo was in and out. Swapping him out with uh, Triori. I'm still convinced that Triori doesn't want to be at Wolves because he doesn't sign his contract. Um I think his outlet has gone because he would have probably been linked with Tottenham with uh, Nuno, but now Nuno's gone, so I'm not too sure uh, the outcome with uh, Adama. Um, but no, there was a couple of below average performances in between a four and a five, five Dave. I couldn't give it anything else. Well, I think you make some really good points. Brian, thanks ever so much for coming on today and enjoy the rest of your evening. Good luck. We'll just leave that next week. Wrap up that wolf. I will. I will. Don't you worry. Cheers, Brian. Take care. So that's Brian. Um, I want to say I apologise for the uh, the sound quality on Carl and also Brian there. Um, obviously, it seemed like there was a little beetle or something that was clicking in the way. Hopefully, can you just let me know? Um, just put a thumbs up if the sound quality from my end's all right. As you can hear me right now, just give us a quick thumbs up. Yes, yeah, so that looks like it's okay. Um, so I hope from next up, and last but not least, uh, friend of the show, it's Paul. Hello, Paul. Hello, Dave. Hi, everyone. There you go, you see. Look, perfect. So we do have to take into account that Carl was in the car and Brian was in the, the out two two miles in the uh, in the outback somewhere in Bangkok. So uh I think that's the reason why the connection wasn't so good. So, apologise if you're listening to this back on uh, on the podcast as well. I know the producer does really well to try and make, but should be uh, struggling to do anything with the uh, the cricket noises. Um, but uh, Paul, we should uh, let everyone know that you've been poorly since we've last spoke. You want to tell everyone what's happened this week? Yeah, positive positive COVID test. So, I'm locked away in this room um, for the next seven days. I've already done a few days, so. Um, Apologies if I interrupt the show with some nasty coughing, but it's nothing um, Nothing I can't get through anyway. It's nothing too serious compared to what some people have had to go through. Well, everyone, make sure you send your love to Paul. Um, 
because I, I messaged Paul this uh, Paul because obviously he was you were due to go to Palace and I messaged Paul and I said do you fancy coming on extra time and he was like um, I think it was like yes something to yeah. break the monotony. I'm, I don't suit isolating. I'm a very um, I like active. to be very active and Same always on the go. So I'm finding this very difficult. You've had a few words. So how poorly have you actually been? Has it been mild? You just had a bit of a cough. You've your breathing been okay? Um, I'd say it's like a bit like a flu type scenario. Uh, really achy. Um, lots of coughing, runny nose, uh, temperature. Um, yeah, just like a bit of a flu type thing, really. But um, I'm just trying to get as much out of my my isolation period as I can by. Um, I can still work from home. I can still do my study from home, and I'm really glad of the chance to actually talk to someone today. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's good. But I mean, so you know, it's it's you, you, are you starting to feel better? Yeah, I I think so. Yeah, I mean, I've cut the grass this morning in the back garden, so I felt strong enough to do that. But for the rest of the day, I don't think I'll be doing an awful lot, to be honest. It, I guess it wipes you out, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I do feel a bit a bit wiped out, but it could have come at a worse time. I mean, as you know, we've got Samosa Saturday coming up pretty soon, which I really want to take part in. Yeah. Um, you know, with the international break as well, I'm not missing another match next weekend. So it could be a lot worse. I'm trying to keep my glass half full. Well, you're always a very, very positive person, Paul. But obviously, um, you were due to go to Palace. Um, and obviously, because of the uh, situation, you couldn't go. And I think you, I don't know whether you watched it on a stream or you listened to it, but you watched obviously Match of the Day last night. I mean, how did you manage to uh, keep up to date with what was happening? Well, usually I'm at the game, so I found it really weird being at home. So I tuned into Mikey Burroughs' commentary with Tomo. Yeah. Um, and I had uh, Jeff Stelling on my iPad next next to it as well, so I could watch the scores come in. Um, so I always think that they're, he's a really good commentator, paints a really good picture. Yeah. So everything that I'm about to say in our chat, I always feel a bit of a, almost feel like a bit of a fraud because I wasn't there in person. Oh, come on, Paul. You were, you, you were isolated with COVID. <laughs> no, you'd be, you would have been there. You would have made that epic journey down if you weren't poorly. No way you're a fraud. <laughs> you, you're coming on. You always give good analysis of the game. And even though you've not been there, you've listened to the commentary, you've, you've probably seen some of the highlights. Yeah. And I think I think we can all start by saying that overall, if someone had offered us eighth place at this international break, I think we all would have taken it, wouldn't we? Yeah. It so, could be ninth or tenth, though, by the end of the day, depending on what results go. But even that, I mean, if we'd have won yesterday briefly, I think we could have gone up to fifth. We would but have I done. Do, I do feel that that would have been a false position, really, based on some of our recent performances, which um, have been... Average at best, I think, apart from that first half against Everton, which I was waxing lyrical about on Tuesday night. Um, I think this result was coming in a lot of ways. Well, I think OK has said he's got COVID. He feels like a mild cold at the moment. Carl's also saying we're there with you in spirit. And so is Barry Westwood. So you're getting lots of love. Yeah, cheers, guys. From, from the game. I mean, you're right what you say, Paul. It's because obviously, you know, that's the thing that we have to take. 
16 points, 11 games, 8th, 9th or 10th, top half of the table. We'd especially taken after the first three games, although we played so well. Um, it was I just felt it was an opportunity missed yesterday, yeah, especially, was, yeah. as Jack said, early doors, that we had a platform at half-time to go yeah. and, you know, take control of the game. And, and I, I'm quite a positive person, but we I was just a little... It, I mean, Emma, for example, was said, he seems like Bruno, whenever we were behind, he just has this answer to throw on enough as many attackers yeah. as possible, like a scattergun approach, and that doesn't necessarily work. And um, I don't know what you think about that. I think that sounds like a good point that Emma's made. Um, that was particularly evident against Brentford at home, where I think we ended up with something like six attackers on the pitch and two in yeah. defence or something like that. But um, he needs to find another way in situations like this. I know he's got this ideology of wanting to dominate possession and be on the front foot. But against Leeds, we weren't. Against Villa, we weren't. Large parts of the Southampton away match, again, we weren't. So I wonder if he can sense the matches going that way. Does he need to um, have a plan B? that he instigates earlier than once we've got a goal behind. And for me yesterday, from listening to it on the radio and listening to all you guys, you're all saying that we were outdone in midfield, three against two. I don't think necessarily Den Donker would have been the solution because he's disappointed me for quite a while now. And I feel he really flatters to deceive. So I'm not saying that we should become a long ball team. Why don't we try a tactic where we miss the midfield out a bit more and go a bit more direct? Um, I'm not saying that's how I want us to play all the time, but when we've got such pace and power and skill up front, miss the midfield out, try that for a change. We know that we've got one of the best uh, passers of the ball who's a defender in, in Cody in the Premier League who can send one of those long raking balls from from right to left or the other way. Sace and Kilman are also good passers of the ball. So I just think, you know, maybe that's an option when we are getting hounded by teams like... Look Lee. at that stat that's put on the board there that Carl's put there, mate. Staggering, Six, isn't it? 617 passes against Everton and we went down to 245 against Palace. I think that's a lot down to the opposition, you know, because... Um, Everton, I said this on Tuesday, I think I was so surprised how much they let us play. Palace clearly didn't yesterday. And that's when he needs to instigate his plan B. It's not working in the midfield. We're getting done in that area. OK, let's try something different. Yeah, no, I think yeah, I think that, I think that's the, the, the point. There's a few points that I want to throw at you, uh, or through questions I'm going to throw at you now. So you can answer them in any order that you want. Yeah. <laughs> um, one, what were your uh, views on the VAR decisions? Two, Traore, mistake to have brought him on for Samedo, yes or no? And um, and as I say, three, do you think he should have replaced to Wang uh, with Pedence? Um, so to try and remember the order that came in, the VAR, <clears throat> it, looks, it looks like their goal was the correct call, as much as we don't want to admit it. I think so. Um, 
and with offsides, I know we don't want these armpit offsides, but in general, I think VAR is playing less of a contentious role this season. We're not really been sat here talking about it much, have we? With regard to the penalty, um, Mikey Burroughs made a really good point in commentary that it's only meant to come into play to overturn a clear and obvious error. Was it a clear and obvious error that he'd mistakenly given a penalty? I don't think so. So if you take that view, no matter what the rule is, to me, looking at the replay, you you know, it could have gone either way, couldn't it, the decision? Yeah. So it's not a clear and obvious error. So it shouldn't have been overturned. Um, you asked about Traore for Semedo. Um, hard one to call. I think he probably should have started the game, so it shouldn't yeah. have even been a question, to be honest. I can see what he was trying to do, um, but like you said earlier to one of the callers, if he's going to do that, you've got to give him the ball to make an impact. And like at Leeds, he was anonymous when he came on against Southampton, didn't have a kick. So as much as whether that should have been a, a decision or not, there's obviously a flaw in the fact that he's not being serviced to service other people. As for Huang, I think taking him off, you take off a goal threat. Um, yes, by the sounds of it, he wasn't having his most telling of impacts on the game. But when you've scored four goals from something like four or five shots... He scored with every shot on target, Paul. That's the yeah. stat. Yeah, so I think you probably leave him on for that reason. So I hope those answered your questions. And um, again, we saw Fabio have a cameo um, for the last two or three minutes. Uh, what do you make of him bringing him on like again in added time, like he did yesterday? Don't Too late. Point. I don't see the point unless he's, unless he's got in his contract that he gets an appearance bonus and the manager's trying to keep him sweet by um, getting him on the pitch so he gets a bonus. I don't know. Um, I well, do think... if, if that was the case, that would be very, very wrong because at the end of the day, they all get paid good money. Yeah, you know he's probably got more at eighteen or nineteen. He's probably earned more money in one year than we'll earn in ten or something yeah. like that. I still think he's got some kind of role to play. I've seen something in him that makes me think, you know, he could be good for us. His chances are obviously limited at the moment because there's not a chance he's going to get in the team ahead of Jimenez. No, if you play not. two up front, it's Jimenez and Huang. I don't think Jimenez did a lot wrong yesterday. He just didn't get the service. No, and that's a point I wanted to make, actually. Thanks thanks for reminding me. I'm, I love Jimenez, and I think he's one of the best players, actually, that I've ever seen play for us. I still don't think we're getting the best out of him, though, because I think the service he's getting is almost non-existent. He's not missing many chances, is he? Because he's not getting many chances. And I think, somehow, he's got to find a way of trying to rekindle that partnership with Traore because he's got a little one going now with Wang and that's a different type of partnership to what a Jimenez and Traore partnership would be. So I think if you could try and have the best of both of those worlds, then, you know, he might start scoring more goals again. 
Did you watch that video they put out this week of his 50 favorite uh, 50 goals that he scored? I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but it's well, on my watch list, shall we say. When you're in isolation, you you love it when things like that come along because it's 17 minutes long. Yeah. But it just reminded me of how many of his goals were from Traore crosses. Yeah. And I don't see why that can't still be part of our armory in our attack. They had a purple patch, didn't they? They were nearly up for the record of assists uh, last the year before last, or wasn't they? They were. And who who else would you want to service Jimenez? A player that beats his defender almost every single time, knows where to put the ball for him. I just think that that could be utilised a bit more. I, I think you're right. And I, and, I, and I do think the other thing as well with the Adama situation is the uncertainty that's surrounding him at the moment. I think we all... I, I'm, at the, I'm, I'm getting to the point where he's like, blooming hell, sign the damn contract. Because it, it's just... It's been going on forever and Wolves are going to have to sell him in January if a decent offer comes in because you can't let someone run their contract down. And it, uh, Brian hit on the point. And does he really want to be at Wolves? Is he looking for a move? You know... Is he not getting the game time at the moment because he hasn't signed the contract? You know, is the performance levels from him not quite there because he feels aggrieved because he's not getting the game time and that's he's not signing the contract? There's a lot of uncertainty swirling around Traore. And Kilman, for example, brilliant today for Kilman. Brilliant for Kilman. Wolves have got, he's signed a brand new contract till 2026. Great bit of business. That's done and dusted. And yet, this contract that Traore's supposedly been close to signing for the last six months still hasn't been signed. And I think that must be having an effect within the camp. Yeah, it's, it's not helpful, is it? I think that's the first thing to say. It's not helpful. It's got to be a bit of a distraction. It does keep coming up. In the, in the conversation, and I don't see how it's, you know, it makes you smell a bit of a rat, doesn't it, when there's been talks ongoing for so long. How hard are the two parties trying to resolve the problem? I know contract negotiations aren't meant to be just really simple and thrashed out in half an hour over a table or whatever, but at the same time, how much do we want to keep him and how much does he want to stay? I, 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 that, that's the thing. I mean, you look at... They do take a, a lot of a lot of time to sort out, but you look at the Kilman thing. We never, we weren't even talking about Kilman's contract. Bang, no. it's done. Yeah. 2026. The guy's 23, 24, and we've got his services um, secured until 2026, unless they... And it, they obviously see him as a long-term part of this team. And Traore's got... How long's he got left to run now? 18 months, is it? Yeah, that's right. Um, he signed a five-year deal when he when he signed for us and he's been here nearly three and a half years now. Mm. But I, mean, I think that also brings us back uh, to the thing. And Obviously, I'm not one to be negative or critical or something like that. And I'm glad where we're at. And like, I still think that we're in a transition at the moment. Uh, Bruno Large, um, I don't think he's... he's is able to play the white the way he really wants us to play. He's having to play with the uh, the, the 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 blocks that he's got. We know that we're too short. Uh, we're at least one player short in midfield. We know that we need defensive reinforcements. 
we're quite well stocked, I think, in the forward areas. I mean, if you look at the forward areas, Pedence, Trincao, Raul, Fabio, uh, Adama, Wang, and then Neto when he's back. We've got Johnny to come back at wing. So technically, we've got two positions at wing back. Um, what with Hoover, Johnny, Ain't Norrie, and Marcel. And but then you look in the midfield, Martinho, Neves, and Dendonka, um, just the three. And Dendonka's hardly getting any game time. And then you look at the back, you know, you've got Bolly, Kilman, Cody, and Saïs. Um, and obviously, Yerson's out long term injured. And then you've got you're going to lose two of those going forward. It's a concern for me that we've got to move fast, I think. Early in January, especially in the in the uh, the back areas, unless he's going to move to a back four, which I think he wants to do long term. I don't want to hear any excuses. In January, we've had the summer to get stuff done. We've had all the autumn. I want on the first of January, if they're going to sign someone, sign them then, and and not wait until the thirty first of January when another month's gone by. We've got some challenging fixtures over that period. Get it done. That would be my message. Do you know what? I'm a hundred percent with you, and I think most Wolves fans will echo this. We want to. We don't want to see Wolves dilly dallying in January. You know, if we if we get ourselves into position where you know we're somewhere around that tenth to sixth place, um, which is going to be a big ask with all the fixtures that are coming up in December. But say we're like around the, the mid table, Wolves is a club. That you, you know, you'd think that players would think they've done a good start. They can go on and push for European places. Maybe we could go and you know have a run in the in the FA Cup. And I hope we go strong in the FA Cup and we have we go for a proper cup run because you know Wolves Wolves are a team like there are a few in the Premier League that are capable of going all the way in the FA Cup because we can beat anyone on our day. We know we can do that. And and. I do think it's a bit of um, a bamboozle situation in terms of like some of the performances that we've seen, like yesterday, there's a lot of people, I mean, that were saying we're very defensive under Nuno. There was like a Nuno type performance and Bruno's been brought in to be offensive and more attacking. And we seem so passive. And that's not what I'm, what, what we were sold on in terms of the Bruno large situation. Now, Again, we have to put into context he's going with the players that he's got, that it's going to probably take him another two transfer windows to the start of next summer to get the team he really, really wants. But, like, it, I, I just feel so frustrated that that game yesterday, if we took it by the scruff of the neck um, and Leeds, when we got the lead, if we'd have really gone for it, we could have been sitting here with even more points than we've got. Yeah, it's a good point. And um, I've just read a quote, actually, from Kilman after the match. And he said, we lacked bravery. Like, why on earth is that the case? We've just taken 13 points out of a possible 15. Got, you know, a really good away record as well. Why on earth would we start that match lacking bravery? I don't... Is that down to some kind of managerial instructions? I don't know. But I just thought that was a... A strange thing to say, really. Yeah, and, and, and it's not what you expect. I mean, the, what, the, the minimum you expect and the most normal we get, I mean, not the players always put in a shift. And they, they, I mean, you've got to say credit to the, to the players yesterday, Paul, and Jack 
was there that they did come over after the end of the game. They didn't walk off the pitch. They came over to the fans. Important. They the fans. You know, I mean, some of the players give their, their shirts to some of the, uh, I think, the kids. They didn't just trudge off and go We've had it and hide. They came over and the fans responded to that, which they didn't get booed off. Uh, they still got clapped off. We can, as fans, see we had a bad performance. And if it's a bad performance and it's a one-off, that's great. But th there has been a little bit of a trend on these yes. away games where we have been a bit too passive. And we have got the uh, the fire and the armoury to, to cause anyone trouble. You just saw the end of the Villa game where we were absolutely took, took you know, just... We just literally took the game away from because we had that belief and and we, we controlled the game and we we, we we believed we could win it and we did. There seemed a lack of belief yesterday that we could win that game or they were it seemed like they were happy with the points. I don't understand that way of thinking. Like like I said, based on the recent evidence of such being on such a good run, we weren't exactly playing. Um, Man City or Chelsea yesterday, although Crystal Palace is not an easy place to go and get a result. You're right, I think we could have um, taken the game to them a bit more. And particularly, okay, you can't, maybe you can't do that for 90 minutes in the Premier League, but as you said, you've got a real solid base of a nil-nil at half-time, very Jack little between the, between the teams. Okay, come out second half, get the first goal. And we win the game. Yeah, because I've said on the podcast before that um, I think we can still be a good counter-attacking team. I think we've got pace and skill in the in those forward areas. And being 1-0 up, I think, would suit us if we tried to still implement that counter-attacking style. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, so I, I think like most of us, we're a little bit frustrated, but we are happy with where we sit. Yeah. in the table, coming up to the international break. I think um, we're, we've got the international break now. I think it'll be interesting to see how we come out the international break. We need to come out on the front foot. West Ham, if, we, if we, we're scared and we play too uh, passive, they're gonna, they're gonna, we're going to lose that game. We've got to come out at them all guns blazing. We've got to go at them straight, in my point, get on the front foot, be assertive, yeah, we know that they're dangerous on the break. I do believe that we've we've, we've got the the the, the, the nous to be able to deal with that. And if we can get in the lead, then you know we can start to hurt them. But if West Ham and who are you know the last two seasons they've got a real decent side. They've got some great players, and also Antonio, he always bullies Cody. Um, Cody, I, I want to see Cody you know, bully him. I want to see Cody not let him bully him, like, you know, but, you know turn him, out-muscle him. You know, that that's a big, big test for Cody. And I, I want him to pass that test. I think Kilman, you know, again, will deal with it. But I do worry with... They've got that Antonio type of player, which we always seem to struggle against. And if we, we're two on the back foot then they're going to have more possession in our final third and cause more opportunities. So I want to see the ball more down their end and us getting at them and trying to get an early goal and get the lead. Yeah, I mean, it's not just Cody that he's had success against. He's been very strong in the Premier League, you know, for a good 12, 18 months now, Antonio. But in Cody's defence, I don't think he should be picking him up anyway. If he's you're not. playing as a sweeper and they're only yeah. playing one up front, why is Cody even 
picking him up, it should be one of the other two. A Bolly yeah, or, right. or I think a Kilman. Kilman would, I think Kilman would be a, the perfect one. I mean, you know, seeing Kilman in the flesh, he's a tank. He's a beast. He's a big lad. Yeah. He's strong. He's skillful. I reckon he, he could deal with uh, Antonio. And I think you're right um, with what you say about that. But it's, overall, Paul, I mean, let's just finish off with your uh, man of the match and your player rate. It's not player rating, your performance rating for yesterday to finish off the show. Yeah, um, man of the match with the uh, caveat of not being at the game myself, but just from what I kept hearing on the radio, it's got to be Kilman. Yeah. Um, performance rating, probably get a, a five or six for the first half and then a four for the second, so... Somewhere between a four and a five overall, because that would be a four point five then. Somewhere, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's say that. <laughs> Let's say that. <laughs> so yeah, um, shame we didn't go for it as we could have. But overall, I'm not going to go into the international break in the doldrums because I'm happy enough with where we are overall and um, looking forward to the West Ham game. After yeah, exactly, 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 and I think. We have to take into account there's going to be inconsistent performances at the moment. I don't think we're going to see the best of this Bruno Large team until probably next season, once you've done another two yeah. transfer windows. Um, and and hopefully that's because it, it does take time. Um, you know, I think he's doing a decent job on the whole. Um, there are obviously question marks about how late he makes changes and some of the decisions. But again, as you say, we're in a decent position. We're happy enough. And if we can kick on off the international break with the fixtures that we come up, especially with a good showing against uh, West Ham, then that will set us up, hopefully, for what hopefully can be a decent transfer window in January and then the rest of the season. Who knows where we could end up going? Um, just to say, again, thank you to everyone that's uh, watched uh, today. Thank you to my guests, uh, Jack, Carl, Brian and Paul. If you're watching this live, if you're watching it back on Catch Up, thank you very much. Please smash a like on the video. If you're listening to it back on the Always Wolf podcast, we're very grateful. We have quite, you know, hundreds of downloads on that every week, which is absolutely uh, brilliant. And just goes to remind us again, thank you to my um, to Spider VPN who do power this uh, this show. You can see a link if you want to get a, a VPN router for your house, covers the, all your devices. The link's in the description below and finally i am doing again just a little plug to do and send in the molyneux sleep out on friday um if you can hit the link below and even chuck a fiver in uh, it all goes towards fantastic causes and that would be appreciated i will do a little bit of a vlog on the night for that so you can see behind the scenes because i know a lot of you'll be interested in what you're sponsoring and supporting me in and you know it all helps those less in need so uh paul Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for, for holding on to the end of the show as well today. Dave, I'm just so pleased to be able to talk to someone for a, for a bit. So uh, thanks for all the nice messages I've seen come up in the comments as well. And uh, I'll be at the West Ham game. So happy to chat to you about yes. that. Uh, what, time, what time's the kickoff for that? Three o'clock on a Saturday. So. so we'll be doing a Saturday night extra time for that one. And uh, yeah, and all the guests today, fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Paul, Hope you're back and firing soon and you're well, keeping um, plenty of things to keep you busy. When's your isolation end? Saturday at midnight next week. So on Sunday, I'll be out and about. Oh, my God, you've still got another week to go. Yeah, I'll, I'll do a test on um, Sunday morning just to confirm I'm all right. But um, 
the kids are involved in some remembrance parades next weekend, so hopefully I can help out with that. No, absolutely. You're a top, top, top bloke, and we, yeah, we all yeah. hope that you get well soon. And anyone who's Cheers. obviously suffering with uh, anything poorly or thing, we do send our love to you and your families as well. And, uh, yeah, so that concludes today's show. We're going to the international break in the top half of the table, 16 points after 11 games. And uh, we will see you with the next extra time after there will be some content in between. Look out for that. If you're brand new, please consider subscribing. Until the next one, from me, uh, Brian, Jack and Paul, always Wolves. Cheers, everyone. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates are already booked in for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.